Hello, food enthusiasts. Welcome to this episode of the Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Line Miller, your host for today. And as usual, we have a wonderful guest who has so much to share with us. Leslie Lampert is the founder and executive chef at the Ladle of Love Company. Thanks for being with us today, Leslie. So my pleasure, Pam. I want to dive right in. You have so many things to share with us that are really interesting. But the first thing is, you know, the Ladle of Love Company was not an intentional business that you set out to start. I really want you to share with our audience a little bit about how this even came to be. I think this is a really representative story of so many people. And I also want to put forth that pay attention because if you want to make God laugh, make plans. I am a former journalist. I have a master's degree in journalism. I was a journalist in New York City for 27 years. I was senior editor at Ladies Home Journal Magazine for many of those years. And among the many things that I wrote and produced, I wrote the food because I'm a food enthusiast. And so in 2003, I opened up my first Ladle of Love shop, and it was kind of just an accident in that I had a family member who was battling cancer, and I'm an accomplished cook, having been in the test kitchen for so many years, and having mounted so many home events and celebrations, the party was always at my house, and I was making soups and stews for this person who was in chemotherapy. At that time, uh, 9-11 happened, and I just anonymously set, sent soups and stews down to 9-11, uh, just anonymously to nourish the, the frontliners down there. And I kept being asked, oh my God, I just tasted the Harvest Celebration, which I made for Thanksgiving. I made it up 105 years ago, and everybody loved it, and people started asking for it. And so I looked for a little space in Mount Kisco, New York, which is Northern Westchester County, New York. And that opened in 2003. And um, we were the first consciously sourced, locally sourced, because there are many, many fabulous farms at the mouth of the Hudson Valley. And we were the first locally sourced and thoughtfully produced uh, what I call honest food brand in uh, in the Westchester area in 2003. From there, it branched out into, uh, I like to say, I use a fork as my metaphor all the time. So there are four prongs to this company, meaning four divisions. And from there, uh, in 2003, it branched into a restaurant, which I had for 11 years and, and closed in, in 2018. But the four divisions, if I can keep going for a minute, is Ladle of Love, the shop, which is in Bronxville. We make all the food at the Boys and Girls Club in Mount Kisco, which I do from here, but we also have full daily curbside pickup for the entire menu up in Mount Kisco. So there, it's about a half hour, 45 minutes north of Bronxville. So it serves another uh, demographic. I had Cafe of Love for 11 years, again, uh, a locally sourced restaurant. We have Market Love. We make it a very big program of vegan and vegetarian soups and stews for Fresh Direct, among many other wholesale distributors. And then we have Love on the Run Catering, which thankfully is back in action big time after a couple of years of being on pause because of course, COVID. And then a whole number of other partnerships with Feeding Westchester and the United Way and Westchester Medical Center and food insecure populations here and frontliners and anybody. 
Anybody is right, Leslie. That's what I'm hearing from you. You have a gift. And I just want to point out, like you did all this other work that was your job in, in the test kitchen and testing out all the recipes for the Ladies Home Journal and just getting all of that experience and you loved it. And you were able to then help your family member through a trying time because you know what good ingredients look like. You know how to cook with fresh food. And then who knew that a tragedy like 9-11 would cause you to then, you know, share your gift with some others. And, and they said, hey, we want some more of you, which is what I'm hearing happened. So what happened was it was an unexpected platform. And as I like to say, if you do what you love and do what matters to you, it will matter to somebody else. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's just good advice because I've walked the planet for a while. That's just good advice for no matter what field you're in, if it matters to you, it will matter to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a contemplative uh, business plan at the time. It was just doing what I loved and doing what I thought was needed and what I wanted. And then it took off in a, in profound ways. And I also, you know, since the very beginning have been extraordinarily committed to no waste and in the food business and in the restaurant business or food production business, in our case, you know, takeout also, it has everything to do with how we control inventory long before the ideas of food waste and sustainability were being highlighted as they are now, thankfully, I've been doing a series called The Scrappy Chef for many years that uh, I shared with you and I'll, and I'll tell the story momentarily, but it's all about you have at any given time, probably five delicious healthy meals in your refrigerator that you don't even know about because it's not recipes, it's transformations and it's understanding how to marry different kinds of ingredients and one-off things in your fridge, things that are gently expired, not animal products, but things like yogurt and pickles. And we'll talk about that as we go um, further uh, dive into this conversation. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Scrappy Chef right now, actually, because I think that that's an additional gift that you're paying forward, Leslie, because you aren't keeping it to yourself about how you come up with these meals out of your refrigerator. Like you've decided to have this whole show, for lack of a better term, where, where people can go and, and you in the moment will will say, open your refrigerator. What do you have in there? And and show them you you aren't just it's not a didactic situation where you're just talking, talking and making your own thing. You're actually letting them have the experience of pulling stuff out of their refrigerator, right. right? This is your gift. And you say, what do you have there? Let's see what we can put together and help people think about that. So I think that's a huge gift that you're paying forward is you're, you're not keeping your intellectual ability to yourself. You're taking people through that experience with you so that you're hopefully teaching them and those that are food insecure might think I have no food in the house, but you're showing them otherwise. Exactly right. And to your point, I've done these um, series and these uh, demonstrations for many of these populations, whether, you know, parents of the children at the Boys and Girls Club that are working, you know, three and four jobs just to make ends meet. 
Feeding Westchester, Westchester Medical Center, where I'm on the foundation board, the United Way, where I'm actually on the board of directors. And I, I, it, it started, I think this is an interesting story because I always say, most people don't understand, but sometimes what we talk about is the middle of the story because it, we're already in it. But it's so interesting to me as a journalist to pull back the camera a little bit and to understand where the inception and the conceptions of these wonderful things that many of us are doing really were planted to you know keep building on that metaphor. Mm-hmm. And, and to that point, years and years ago, my, both my daughters are working moms. I have two daughters and a son and both my daughters are working moms. And on Sundays, I used to go to their homes or apartments and we just would pull out everything for, from the week or the month that was you know, stuck on, in the condiment shelves, you know, on the side of the fridge, a little bit of this, a little bit of that in the pantry, kind of wonky herbs and lettuces, things that you thought you should pitch but no, you know, I make a scrappy pesto every single week. And I'm going to explain you to, that to you in a minute. I just did a farmer's market demonstration on this last weekend. And I can't tell you the number of emails that I got thanking me because everybody now, everybody keeps just a scrappy pesto every week. And I'll talk about how that can look because it's so easy. And once, you know, I like to say this, once you know what, you know it. It's just about learning it. And it isn't difficult. It's just, you don't know what you don't know. When we would do these, my, my daughters are now great cooks. When we would do these scrappy chef Sundays, scrappy Sundays, we'd call them. And then we'd have the Sunday meal. We, our goal was we're not going to buy one thing. We're not going to go to the grocery store. We're just going to make a yummy Sunday family meal from everything that is in the fridge. And when I say everything, some people have a lot of stuff and some people have a little stuff, but everybody has a pantry with condiments and a freezer with a this and a that, you know, we'll talk about what that can look like. Everybody does. I've done it for Bloomingdale's. I I did a a series right before COVID on how to utilize your Thanksgiving leftovers. Mm -hmm. And I did a master sheet pan roast of certain things and transformed that into three different things, a soup, a salad, a sauce, a pasta sauce, you know, take out Chinese food. Don't ever throw out the right white rice. There's a million, and everybody gets that for free. There's a million things you can do with that. Sometimes I'll just take, even if you get like, say, General Tso's chicken, I don't know, and you wash off, if it comes with string beans, you wash them off, put them in a paper towel, and I add that to like a scrappy salad. We make scrappy salads, compose scrappy salads all the time with, whether it's a little leftover pasta, a little leftover this and that, a one-off vegetables. And a sheet pan roast is your best friend. So, but we can talk about all the recipe stuff when I don't like the word recipe for this, it's transformations. And um, again, it's just knowledge. And once you know it, you know it. I don't think there's any recipe involved. Like you said, it is really opening your mind is what I see you're doing for others is you're helping them expand the possibilities as they open the refrigerator you're expanding their possibilities rather than looking in there and seeing what you've always seen. You're helping them to see more what they haven't always seen. You're teaching, you're teaching. I also, and I also, Pam, want to say something else. I recently, I'm on um, a a founding member of this board. There's a new initiative in Westchester called RAW, and it stands for Restaurant Association of Westchester. 
And we are committed to understanding, you know, the, I think the buzzword for uh, post COVID now is collaboration. And I think we're all understanding that we are stronger together uh, on so many levels and business wise too, mm -hmm. not just in the food business. And so recently we've been meeting with the um, legislators up in Albany uh, by WebEx and talking about a number of things that need action in our local communities. But among the many things we talked about is food waste and the consumer and the community understanding what you can do. Composting is great. That still emits greenhouse gases. So we want to get people educated for pre-composting. And what does that mean? Take your food home from restaurants and eat it. Because it, it isn't even so much, it, it's a lot about the restaurateurs are, and the food business people like myself, we're masterful at utilizing what's in inventory. And by the way, they're called specials. So the specials are what's utilized for some of what needs to be utilized before it, it isn't you know, fair to use anymore. And at the same time, you know, sometimes you, you know, buy scallops because they're fresh and they're on special. But the rest of the dish will be for things that were in inventory. But the restaurants and the people that I know in the restaurant business are highly committed to no food waste. But I think one of the things that really needs to be stated clearly is don't leave food on your plate when you leave the, the restaurant. Take your food home. And by the way, I, I'm going to teach you how to eat it, not just in that incarnation, even though I'm happy to like reheat pasta, but and even fish and steak, but how to utilize it in a a paella or a risotto or a scrappy salad. It, that's a really important point. Don't leave your food because that food has to be thrown out. Yeah, you know, that is a really good point because once it's been served, right. you've got to, the restaurant right. legally has to throw that away. And, right. and that food waste, I mean, we do waste a lot of food. I think yes. country-wise, it's different in different countries. But to your point, we, we should take it home. And a lot of people yes. don't know what to do with it once they get home, if they don't yes. want to eat it. And enough. you've paid yeah. for it. We so you've it. You, you, what you don't know is you've paid for two meals if you don't clean your plate. That's so right. I think that is something that has to be really put forth to communities. And then also, this is probably not the right topic for this podcast, but we talked a lot about how in the restaurant business and in the food businesses, we, it is a low paying, very hardworking, very low profit business. And so how do we stay in it? And why do we stay in it? And how do we sustain it? I like to say that in this field, and remember, I was a journalist. And so I have a, you know, orchestra seat to very different industries, but we get paid in gratitude. We get paid in respect. We get paid by somebody thanking us and loving what we make and do. I just watched um, Toscana last night on Netflix, which I recommend, by the way, and I know Rotten Tomatoes doesn't, but I do because number one, the landscapes are beautiful. And I think it is a very interesting also mental health look into um, the, the business of making Michelin star food and, and our kind of food. But I can't stress enough how important respect, kindness, and gratitude is as part of what I call payment 
And I think that's something, and I know that's not necessarily the platform that we were discussing today, but I think, again, that's the beginning of the story. And then I do also want to talk about how we source our food and, and especially in this economy, you know, the, the large companies that source food from across the country and many other states, and they get a lot of discounts for ordering in volume. And so for those companies, and this is for education purposes, they stand to be more profitable. For those of us who are committed to the missions of sourcing locally and buying from the local farmers, it, there is an associated cost with that. And, with, and in order to keep it local and to keep it green and to keep it economical and to keep it so that we're highlighting local, other local businesses, there is an associated cost. And particularly now where everything spiked up. Yes. So I want people so to be mindful. I, I, could I tell the story about bread? I'd love to tell the story because I think it's an unbelievably pointed anecdote mm-hmm. about yeah, something that people don't know. Yeah, so please, go ahead. I saw a big rant on Facebook at the in 2020 at the beginning of COVID, where a lot of restaurants who, you know, and, and, and most restaurants didn't make it, you know that, were charging a dollar for bread. And there was a big rant on Facebook. And at first I got really angry because I understand why that had to happen. But then I realized people have to be educated. Let me educate you. You've always been paying for bread. It's just been absorbed into what's called a blended margin on a menu. And instead of raising all the prices on the menu, what these restaurants and food businesses like myself did is charge an increase for if you want bread so that we, they didn't have to raise all the prices and that everybody didn't have to pay for that. And only the people who want bread, because last time I checked, bread costs money to make. It's flour, it's water, it's labor. And so the perception has to be changed. And by the way, if you don't want bread, then we don't have to serve it to you and it doesn't get wasted because once it's on the table, it can't be used. The bread that we've purchased that doesn't get put on the table can be repurposed for breadcrumbs and for bread puddings and for crostini and all manner of things. But the bread that's on the table has to go in in the trash. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And thanks for telling that story, Leslie, because the fact that we as consumers you know, we just assume we're going to get bread with our dinner, not thinking about the cost of that is added in to what we're paying. But now that costs are changing and restaurants are trying not to raise their prices as much, you know, they want to keep things affordable for us as consumers. So we keep coming back. They've made some of those optional additional things that everybody didn't take advantage of. You know, sometimes I don't even, I say, just don't bring the bread. And I know I'm still paying for it, but I'm not going to eat it and I don't want to waste it. Because I know it has to be. Exactly. And to your point now, if it's a dollar for bread, you don't have to pay for it if you're not going to eat it and it won't get wasted. And by the way, to the people that ranted on Facebook, I just want to say this. Every single day during COVID, we worked and I would go to the commissary and I would pick up my green matcha tea every day from Starbucks. And it was my extreme pleasure to just tip a dollar on a tea. Because again, I know what the percentages are for the labor 
uh, pool. I know how difficult it is. And we're not frontliners and we're not necessarily, you know, saving people's lives. And we made thousands and thousands of meals for Westchester Medical Center and Northern Westchester Hospital and some local hospitals. And those people were saving lives, but we're nourishing lives and yep. you can't live without eating. So, you know, I think it begins with the beginning of the story is kindness and gratitude. Well, and that's that's where you were at the beginning of this. And any of us, me included, who have worked in the restaurant industry, I was a waitress for years in high school and some in college, you, you have an appreciation for that. And I think that uh, people are, are more and more paying attention to that, especially with the staffing shortages that are now existing, right. that they are realizing how much those people who serve them in the restaurant industry, how, what a big role they played. And that's really important to them. I don't want to get too much further down the road without circling back around, because yeah. when you're talking about the scrappy chef, you were talking about your scrappy pesto, and you were going to share with us that you make it every week. And how can we, can you? Uh, I want to, so I'm going to tell you that. And okay. then I want to give you a few more things as well, sure. but I'll start with the pesto. So what I do and what all my friends do now, and anybody who will listen to me, you pull out whatever greens are in your refrigerator, whether it's romaine and uh, cilantro, basil, you know, of course, classic pesto is basil, but I've made it tons of times with no basil because I didn't have basil. So, and it's delicious. So whatever greens, and by the way, if they're a little slimy, just wash them off. Uh, if they're a little rusty and brown, that's fine. They're going into the pesto. As long as you wash everything off. I mean, um, my places don't use pesticides. So, uh, you know, where I get my stuff from. So, but you still, you wash it, um, you blend and any greens that you want, as I said, if you have red lettuce, if you have arugula, if you like arugula, I like spicy lettuces and anything and whatever herbs you have. If you have leftover fresh thyme, put that in. If you have mint, put that in. You know, whatever you have and whatever you like, but everything can marry together. So what I do is I have a little ninja bullet or a Nutra bullet at work. Of course, we have these Vitamixes and big blenders, but for the at-home person, and by the way, if you don't have like a ninja bullet, they're really cheap, whether you get it at, you know, Costco or on Amazon, they're really cheap and they're great to make smoothies and pestos and sauces and vinaigrettes and a whole, and soups for like two people. They're great. And they don't take up much counter space. So what you do is you put all you, you, you stuff in, in the container as much, maybe three quarters of the way up or, or, of your greens and your herbs. Now for people who are vegan or nut free, it can just be those olive oil, a little garlic and salt and pepper. Please use salt and pepper because those are flavor enhancers. I put a squeeze of lemon in. You can use red wine vinegar. You can put whatever you want in it. I'm a lemon girl. So I put in lemon. If you're vegan or nut free, just buzz that with some your olive oil that's in the in the cupboard. I always use extra virgin olive oil because that's what I like. And by the way, it's really healthy for you. So you buzz that up with olive oil and lemon and garlic. And if, if you have some leftover scallions, throw your scallions in. You're not going to believe how good it is. And you can do however, you know, do enough olive oil so that it starts to emulsify, which means comes together. And that's what's really called a coulis because it doesn't have nuts and it doesn't have cheese. 
So for a more classic pesto, I always have nuts. I'm a pecan girl. I'm a walnut girl. I'm a pistachio girl. And I'm a cashew girl. I always have something like that. And sometimes I'll have a little of everything. So just grab whatever's left. I like cashews actually the best and pistachios, but cashews are a little creamy and you can add them into lots of things. I add cashews. I add the very end of, I always have a little hunk of Parmesan. So I just take it and put it in. And again, lemon, buzz it. It is so delicious, you're not gonna believe it. And it tastes a little different every time because you're using whatever you have every time and you play with it because at the end of the day, being scrappy means just making it yours. Yeah, and I am absolutely gonna try that. I cannot wait. I've never made anything like that before because I, again, I, I would open up my refrigerator and I see what I always see instead of now you're teaching me and hopefully our- And you just listeners. said the absolute pivotal thing. You see what you see and you don't know to look at it in a different way. And that's exactly what, I, what, what I've been teaching. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's your gift that you're paying forward is your- it's not just the a recipe. It's a way of thinking outside of what the way we normally think and, and so, changing. Exactly. Could I give you two more examples now? Um, sure. So number one is that pesto becomes a pesto to use on pasta or rice. Or by the way, if you have this much farro, this much quinoa, this much rice, this much um, barley, put it all together. I knew you were going to say, I knew you were going to say that. Just throw it all in. I was waiting. Throw it all in, boil it in water, season it with salt and pepper. When it comes out, put pesto on it. If you want to add shrimp, add shrimp. If you want a chicken, if you just want it, you know, vegetarian. And then, so that becomes a sauce. It also is a sandwich spreader. It's great, you know, if you want a roasted vegetable sandwich or a chicken sandwich, if you want to make chicken salad. Cut up your leftover chicken, throw the pesto in. For me, I do something called yogurtnaise. That's our proprietary. We do half yogurt and half mayonnaise. So it's got a little bit of tang. And by the way, this is great to know for even all the condiments on the side. Make yogurtnaise so that, you know, if you have a little mayo left, a little yogurt, even if you have like vanilla yogurt, use it. And again, yogurt, it's probiotic. It really doesn't expire when it says it does. And I feel 100% comfortable telling the world that I would not feel comfortable with animal products. The deadline, the ex expiration date is the expiration date. But when it comes to things that are fermented or probiotic pickles, you have pickles at all times in your house. So your pickle jar, when the pickles are gone, do not throw that out. That pickle juice has a life of forever. You're going to take your overripe, bruised, and whatever veggies that are in your crisper. If it's butternut squash, if it's zucchini, if it's carrots, if it's red peppers, you're going to cut them all up and you're just going to put them back in that pickle jar. And in a few days, you're not going to believe it. You have your own pickles. Wow. Next about that, there's other ways of being scrappy that aren't just food oriented. We talk 
about sustainability and everybody thinks it's this big term out there and there has to be a huge initiative and, and all of that. But I'm here to say, Leslie Lampert, this is personal sustainability at its finest. We're using what we have. We're not wasting our food. We're not throwing stuff away that shouldn't be thrown away. We're at the time when food prices are skyrocketing, we're able to make our food dollar go further. I'm so happy this message is getting out. And I want to talk to you about a sheet pan roast and the three ways that you can use, you know, transform that. But before I get there, I buy bon maman jams and preserves because I think they're phenomenal. But I've never once discarded the, the little jar it comes in. They're little pretty glass jars with a little pretty top. They go right into my dishwasher. I have an entire cabinet filled with them. There's three ways that I use them. I put leftover food in them. I put little leftover applesauce. If you make applesauce, if you, I put my lemons in there. If I have a little bit leftover rice or whatever, I use that instead of like a Tupperware. And, and glass, of course, is preferable to plastic. Even if though you can use plastic over and over again, and that's really one of my biggest messages is when you get those deli containers from your takeout, do not throw them out. Put them in your dishwasher, wash them and keep reusing them. That will help the environment because every time you have a one use of anything plastic, you're contributing to the economy, you know, the, the environment not being safe. And so when you go to Starbucks or when you go to Dunkin' Donuts or any of the places, please say, don't put that green plastic thing in my coffee. Please say, if you're getting the egg bites, which I love, by the way, the kale mushroom are fabulous. We do make them also. Please say, do not put that plastic spoon or fork in my, anything that you can do that limits it. And if all the takeout, you know, whenever I, we take out for Chinese food, I say to them, do not send any of those, that stuff. Do not send it. Use your forks and knives and spoons. And then if you tell them not to, that's, if lots of people start doing that, imagine the impact. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you do get them, put them in your catch-all drawer and use them. Do not throw them out. Yep. So these are just small, these are the smallest things that if lots of people do them, the impact is grand. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm hearing is, is the ability for us to have our own little personal sustainability project happening with the things that we do and especially with our food. It's, it's just exciting. Now, you also had the different, I guess, the four areas of your business that you talked about, but all of those have been an outgrowth of kind of the same common theme of, of the healthy eating, your great knowledge as a chef, paying, paying that forward and giving of your time and expertise and, and making some money where, where you can. We have to support ourselves. But- <laughs> But also being able to, yeah, which is maybe questionable with some of the things you've told me about. I'm not sure how to return on some of that. But is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience today? We, we've just covered a lot of things that I think each person that's listening or watching us today can take at least one or two things that they can apply to their lives today. And I think that, um, thank you so much, Pam. And I, I you know, again, I just want to be so grateful for you highlighting you know, some of the things that I'm doing. I wanna say that 
everything doesn't have to be a grand plan. And while sometimes it's daunting to get started or, you know, you look at Instagram and all, all LinkedIn and everybody looks like that they've spent years on business plans and all that. And do you need to be contemplative and strategic? Of course. But you can just start with a great idea that you're passionate about and you can start strategizing. You know, I call it fueling the plane while I'm flying it. Because a lot of what I've learned has been just by doing it. And so even the ladle of love started by being contemplative of the community, not just the food, but making sure that, you know, even when I was struggling, I always gave because giving fills you up. And, and the whole point of being on this earth is to take care of each other, right? Yeah. And so, and in whatever ways, you know, we all give in different ways. So I think one of the ways that I have been able to give profoundly is with knowledge and with being able to outline for people who are looking to make an impact, number one, to embrace the smallest impacts because it's all the little ones that create the big one. I mean, reservoirs happen by drops of water. And to the point of the metaphor of a reservoir, let's make reservoirs so that, you know, in our business, we have to press the restart button every day. I say, when you're in the production business, different than the transaction business, when it's gone, it's gone. And it doesn't go on the shelf for the next day. And it's not an idea that keeps going on to the next day. It's a product that has a very finite life. So my point is that, you know, value what you can bring to the party, so to speak. And I always say we all give in different ways and there's payment or, you know, income, what I call it, you know, there's the metaphor about how you withdrawals, like a bank withdrawals and when you put money in and it works in so, on so many different levels. So if somebody just today by listening to this podcast just says, I'm going to take home my food from the restaurant, I'm going to bring it home and I'm going to either eat it or I'm going to turn it into something else. I feel like I will have done something impactful. One more thing. Can I talk about the sheet pan roast? Of course. Take everything out of your crisper because we talked about greens. Take everything out of your crisper. If you have a little bit of uh, zucchini, a little bit of red pepper, a little bit apples, grapes, a little bit of um, butternut squash, whatever it is, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, cut them all up. I don't care if it, you know, cut the brown pieces out, the mushy, I don't care. We love ugly food here. Cut them up, put them on a sheet pan, hike up your, your temperature to between 425 and 450 because you do want it to caramelize and a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper whatever herbs you like. If you like spicy, throw on spicy. If you like sweet, throw on some maple syrup, Do whatever you have, cook it. And you're going to have to, you know, turn it a couple times over the next 40 odd minutes, watch it. And then you bring it out. Number one, my daughters and I stand over the sheet pan roast and it doesn't make it to dinner because it's so good. Number two, so it's a great side dish. Now you can put it on a salad. I love what I call a raw and, and roasted salad. So you put the raw ingredients underneath and you put the roasted ingredients on top. By the way, all your little leftover vinaigrettes, salad dressings, put them all in one bottle and shake it up. Mix them up. You're gonna, it's going to be a new favorite salad dressing. You won't be able to replicate it, but you'll love it. And then the other thing is take that Nutribullet or Ninja Bullet or your blender, put that all those roasted veggies into the blender, add a little veg stock or water or coconut milk or chicken stock if you're not vegetarian, buzz it. You're going to have 
a delicious soup and another smooth pasta sauce to put over your pasta. It's just endless, the things you can do. And all it takes is a little courage. Yeah, a little courage. And like you said, like you were saying, when you open that refrigerator, you just have to see what you don't normally see. Oh, expand your mind. I think that's what I'm taking away and right. having my own uh, personal sustainability project as a result of listening to you. And I'm so excited that our podcast listeners, you know, you think about just each person doing their part and, yes. and then all of a sudden it gets to scale and it really makes a larger impact than we can do just by ourselves or the two of us. And I'm just so excited that you came on our podcast to share with us today, just from your wisdom and helping us to think a little bit differently about how we're interacting with our food and expanding our minds in that way. Thanks for being on, Leslie. So my pleasure. And if I could just end by saying, if anybody has questions, I'm totally, it's Leslie at ofloveGroup.com, O-F-L-O-V-E-G-R-O-U-P.com, L-E-S-L-I-E. I am happy to answer any questions because at the end of the day, I want my legacy to be that my great-grandchildren lived on the planet that is going to still be healthful for our future generations. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 